Well, hey, welcome once again for tuning in X Church Online. We are so excited to have you with us today. It's a special day. Thank you for tuning in today. No matter where you are watching this, whether it's in your living room with your family, in your kitchen, your bedroom, in your car, it doesn't matter. We are excited to have you today. And if you're thinking, gosh, this is so weird, and I wish that we could go to church to be together in person, if you haven't heard the news I'm excited to share with you that we are coming back. We're making a comeback. On July 12th, we are going to be meeting again at our Lancaster facility. So we're going to start in one location. And we are going to have an experience that, listen, we got more information coming out in the next few weeks. The reason why we aren't just giving all the information of what the experience is going to be yet is because everything changes day by day. Have you noticed that? Like one moment, like we're, we're, we're told that uh, you, you can't be within 30 feet of people. The next moment, it's like six feet. And then it's going to change again, you know. And so we, we just wanted to, to get closer to the day, want to make sure that it is safe and it's incredible experience for you and your family. And so when it comes to kids ministry and all of those things, we are going to be releasing that information very soon. But I can't wait to see you in person. Can I tell you? I miss people. I miss hugs. I know we're not going to be able to hug. It's going to be awful. And maybe we could elbow bump or maybe we can fist bump then. I'm not sure. But just to see you in person uh, makes my heart go wild. So I am super excited about it. Now, I do know that maybe some of you don't feel like you're ready to come back to church in person. Let me just tell you, we understand. That's okay. When you feel ready, come join us. But in the meantime, you can still join us online and have the same incredible experience every single weekend. And so if you're in that category where maybe you're more susceptible to the virus, we just encourage you, stay home and continue to experience it online. But I would love to see you if you can. I can't wait. And so we're going to gather back together again very soon, and I'm excited about it. Again, I also want to wish a very special, um, just happy Father's Day to all the dads. I just want to just say how, how, how awesome it is that you're watching this. If you're a dad, um, we honor you today. We just celebrate you today. Um, dads matter so much, and I am super thankful to be a dad. In fact, I want to just, this is going to be weird for me when I am with my family, but I want to look into the camera, and I want to thank first my wife for helping me become a dad, so I want to thank her for that, and uh, that was awkward, wasn't it? And then I also want to thank my kids, my two daughters, uh, Lauren and Audrey, for making me a dad. You guys are the most amazing daughters in the world. Can I, can I just say, I want to say I love you guys to death. I am so privileged. My greatest calling in life is to be your dad. More than being a pastor to thousands, it's being a dad to two. And so I just want to say how much I desperately love you guys, and I, I'm honored to be your father. And you know one of the things that if you're a dad, you're going to maybe get this, that has warmed my heart, has just really kind of um, impacted me, is that the older my daughters have gotten, the closer they have become in friends. In fact, my youngest daughter, Audrey, was just saying something a couple weeks ago. Uh, as my oldest daughter, Lauren, by the way, is about to get married, so that's pretty exciting, I will have successfully moved one of them out of my house, so I just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. But my oldest daughter, Lauren, is going to be getting married very soon. And my youngest daughter, Audrey, she said something so interesting. She, she said, 
now that we're getting older, she said, I feel like we've become closer friends. And she said, now that we're becoming good friends, you're moving out. You're leaving us. And she was kind of playful but kind of upset because uh, they've become closer as they've gotten older. So I just want to encourage you, moms and dads, if your kids fight all the time, just relax. Just wait. As they get older, man, it's a good chance that you're going to see an incredible friendship show up. And, and it just makes me happy when I see that. And I can tell you this, if you're a parent, you'll get this as well. One of the things that breaks my heart more than any other thing, and if you're a dad, you'll get this. If you're a mom, you'll get this. It's when my kids fight. If you're a parent, man, it, it, it messes you up. When you see them angry and the animosity and the fighting and the yelling and I hate you and all of these, if you've ever experienced that as a parent, man, it breaks your heart. You know, as we're thinking about fathers, we're thinking about Father's Day, I couldn't help but think about how we view God. Because the truth is this, um, when Jesus showed up, this was so revolutionary, Jesus actually changed the way we view God. You know, before Jesus came on the scene, uh, the way everyone viewed God or gods or whatever God they viewed, it, it was this all-powerful being. It was this deity. It was this, you know, it was someone or something to be afraid of. And they were afraid if they made the wrong move that, that God would wipe them out. And then Jesus came from heaven. God sent Jesus and he showed up, and the moment Jesus began the ministry, he, was, he changed the way we view God. Jesus showed us God as a father. Even from his baptism, when he was baptized in the Jordan and came up, a voice came from heaven that said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And when Jesus was around his disciples and then he would pull away, but, but they would see him and they would watch him and he would pray to God. It wasn't some religious prayer, but, but he would talk to God like, like a dad, like a father. And they said, we want to we do that thing. We want to pray like you're praying. And so Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Many of you know the Lord's Prayer. What did he say? He said, here's how, here's how you pray. Our Father, which is in heaven. Jesus painted this picture of God, not as some all-powerful being, yes, he is, not as some creator God, yes, he is, not, not as someone that we should be feared, even though he has all the power, but he painted this picture of God as dad, as father, a father who loves his children. Jesus would th say things like this, um, if you don't forgive someone who sinned against you, your father won't forgive you. Jesus, he was always, he said, I didn't come to do my will, but I came to do the will of my Father. And as I was just really reflecting on kind of everything that has been going on in our world lately, and I was thinking about Father's Day, and I was thinking about God as Father, I couldn't help but wonder how much our Heavenly Father must be grieved over what he sees in our world right now. I couldn't help but think like how, how the father's heart is grieved as he watches his children, his creation, fighting with such animosity, such anger, and such hatred for one another. You know, through the last four weeks, or shall I say even four months, 
I, I will say, we have seen some of the best of the church. I, I just want to say that because I believe it. When I think about the pandemic and I think about how every church that I know of like just jumped into motion to we're going to broadcast this message online. It's amazing. We never shut the doors of our church. No, we just said we're going to take this message to people online. And you know what? Because of that, the message of Jesus has reached more people than any other time in human history. And so I just want to say I have seen some of the best come out of the church in a season like we've been in. I've seen the church today in the midst of the biggest civil rights movement in the last 40, 50 years. I've I've seen more people speaking out for what is going on and the injustice in our world than any other time. Something good has come out of this season. But if I could also say humbly, I've also seen some of the worst come out of the church. I've also seen some of the worst bickering and fighting in the last four months, fighting over a virus that no one knows what to think about it. I've seen fighting over all of the things that have happened for the last several weeks, even within the church. And I couldn't help but just wonder how, how the heart of our father is maybe grieved as he watches his children fight. And today, I, I just I felt a weight just if I could be honest with you, and I just felt a weight that there are some things that God had been stirring in me that I just needed to share with you if you're a part of our church. And so today, if I could just, if I could just say this, today I, I don't want to preach a message. Today what I want to do is I, I would love to sit and have a conversation with you. I, I, I don't want to preach. You notice I don't have a bunch of people all with me on the platform Today, if I could, and if you would permit me, I would like to have a conversation, a conversation about God's heart, a conversation about what is happening right now in our world, in our culture. And here's what I want to ask, please. I would love if you would give me and extend to me a grace to be able to share what's on my heart. And I just want you to understand and know this. That the burden that I feel in a time like this for our church is so heavy. This is part of being a pastor. And I want you to know this. I love you insanely. I love my church so much. I have given a majority portion of my life to this church and to serve you if you're a part of this church. And and I just want you to know that. And I love you and I want to share some things that God has laid on my heart. This is not, I didn't plan for this. I didn't plan for this message. I didn't plan for what I'm going to share in this conversation until I just felt the weight as a pastor. I also kind of could, could empathize a little bit with maybe God's heart. As a dad, I could kind of relate to maybe how our Heavenly Father feels in a moment like this where he sees his kids fighting. He sees division within the family. And I just think how his heart is breaking, that's how, that's how my heart feels. And I want to say some things, if you would permit me, if I'm your pastor, if you'd permit me to say some things that maybe are going to be a little direct, and I, I, I'm not, this is not condemning, this is something I'm working through. This is something that I'm on a journey in, and I, I just feel like maybe all of us, we're in a journey where, where we need some truth spoken to our hearts today. And I know what we want to do is we want to shrink back. 
I, I know we, we don't want to hear sometimes things that could be hard that go against what we have believed for so long. But if you are a Jesus follower, I'm speaking directly to you if you are a Jesus person today. And if you call yourself a part of X Church, and if you would say, I'm your pastor, then I'm asking for the grace. I'm asking just for a, a, a little bit, just a few minutes in a conversation, if you would permit me just to share my heart with you. If you allow me to say some things. Now, here's what I know that today in our culture, we are not great at listening. Today in our culture, if I could just be honest, and I'm, I'm partly like, to blame in this. This is partly what I do as well, is we don't really listen to receive. We listen until we hear something we don't like. Think about this. We read something on social media until we don't like it. And then we stop listening and we turn it off. And in that moment, or if we're listening to somebody else talk and we don't like what they're saying, we stop listening to the person, to the experience, to where they're coming from, and we start to formulate, no, 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 this is, I'm coming back. I've got, no, I gotta say this. I wanna get, I'm gonna help you figure this out. What I'm gonna ask for you to do for the next 30 minutes is I wanna ask if you would suspend, I know this is gonna be hard, just try this. Can you suspend your political persuasions your political beliefs, would you put them aside? I, I know you're like, I can't do that. I'm going to ask if you would. Try. For just a few minutes, would you put them aside long enough to say, I want to hear the heart of God. I want to hear God's word today, even if it challenges things that I have held dearly, values I have held on to for a long time. Because in our culture today, everything is polarized. I'm sure you know that. Even, if I could just be honest to say, even the version of Christianity that we have today, <laughs> even this Western uh, version of Christianity that we have created Jesus in our own image, we've created God in something that aligns with our political views, and therefore, if you don't share my political views, then you're on the other side of me. I'm asking you to suspend that for just a few minutes. Because what I have seen that has polarized us as a nation and in the church is that we have elevated our own political views and preferences above following Jesus. Am I getting in your business yet? I'm sorry. I love you, but it's so true. We have elevated our political beliefs, our political preferences, above following Jesus. That's why I say, if you're not a Jesus follower, you can tune me out. I understand that. Here in America, we have the opportunity. We, we can, you can pick a political side. You can pick a, uh, pick a narrative that fits your life experiences. You can say, this is who I am. I get that. But if you are a Jesus follower, we do not get that luxury we have a different opportunity. We, we, don't, we don't align ourselves into political camps. We don't identify ourselves with an elephant or a donkey. We identify ourselves with a lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus, who was slain from the foundation of the world. I don't find a political party that fits me right now. I can't stand the political partisan system that we have. 
I love democracy. Don't hear me. Don't, don't, don't hear me hating on America. I love America. I love democracy. But if I could just tell you, this political uh, partisan get into a camp, and here's why it's so messed up today is because in our culture today, when you get into one camp, you get into one side, you identify with one side, you are automatically an enemy to someone on the other side. We're picking sides today. That's what we're doing. I'm left, I'm right, I'm conservative, I'm liberal, I'm of this, I'm of that, I'm for this, I'm for that. We are picking sides, and I'm just trying to appeal to you, if you are a Jesus person, a Jesus follower, do you want to know what side I'm on? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. It might surprise you. What side is he? Oh, he's going to tell me. All right, we want to hear. We want to hear, Pastor. Are you Republican or are you Democrat? What side are you on? I didn't think you would tell us. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what side I'm on. I'm on the side of people. I'm on the side of people. I want to align myself on the same side as Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And if you, at some point in your life, you said, Jesus, you are my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my King. Listen, you might live in America, but your real citizenship is in a kingdom. Your real citizenship is in a monarchy, and Jesus is on the throne. And it is not a side, it's not a a different political party, but it is Jesus. And that means that he is forms and he leads and he guides and he tells me the side I'm I'm on the side of people I hate what has happened in our culture today where it's pick a side and if you say I am for this then automatically you must be against these people can I tell you something today I am for black lives I am for black lives. Black lives do matter because God created every person, including black people, African-American people, brown people, and God has put his image in them. They are an image bearer. They have intrinsic value just as much as me, just because the color of skin does not matter. I am for black people. But please hear this. I'm also for the police. I am for our law enforcement, especially when they do their jobs the way they're supposed to do their jobs, and they treat people with dignity, and they treat people, and there are so many who I know and people in our church who are great people, who love all people. And so this culture that we're in, this partisan, divided culture has seemed to want to put me in a camp It says, if I am for this group, I'm against that group. I reject that idea. I reject that. Don't put me in a side. I'm aligning myself with Jesus. I am for people. 100% I am for people. In fact, let me give you this thought today. I would love for you to just dwell on this. And that is this. When it comes to our politics, our politics should never take priority over people. Let me say it again for everyone in the back of the house. Our politics should never take priority over people. I don't care what your persuasion is. I know I asked you to suspend it for a little bit. I know you're getting mad because some of you are so staunch on this side or that side and you hate everybody that's across the aisle. First of all, that's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. And what I've seen in the church over the last four months, 
in the last four weeks, much of which of people who claim to follow Jesus have looked nothing like him. And I'm saying that with as much humility as I can. Trying to say that, I want you to hear, I'm not saying that to be harsh. I'm saying we in the church need to take an honest look at our hearts. You see, the truth is this. In our culture, we have gotten really good at making an idol out of our politics. This is what I believe. I'm in this camp. I I think when it comes to life and when it comes to, and I understand that there are political issues and social issues and things that we have to figure out as a country. And I'm thankful that we do have people who are trying to figure these things out. But everything that I believe and I hold dear does not come from my political alignment. It comes from God's word. It comes from Jesus, and it comes from the heart of God. And so this Father's Day, in a very unique way, I just want to talk about the Father's heart. I want to talk about what the Father is for. And here's the thing. How do we know the Father's heart? We know it because we see it in Jesus' heart, in his life. If you want to know the Father's heart, look at Jesus. Sadly, I can't say look at the whole church. I say look at Jesus if you want to know the Father's heart. And I would like to share with you just three things. This is not exhaustive, but three things that God has impressed in my heart and that's part of my journey that I see that is so near and dear to the heart of the Father. And I want us to process this. And I want, us, I want this to challenge things that we have maybe overlooked or we've never seen before in the heart of God. Three things. The first one is this. The Father's heart is for justice. The Father's heart is for justice. You know, the truth is, I could take the next three hours showing you the heart of God when it comes to justice walking through the Bible. And I probably couldn't even get out of the Old Testament. That There's so much that speaks to the heart of God right here in the word of God when it comes to his heart for justice. And, and if I want you to hear this, justice isn't just something that God desires. Justice is who he is. Justice is not, oh, God just, I, I know, God must want things to be just. No, 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 it's not that God just wants things to be just. God is just. There's a difference. It comes from his character. It cannot be separated from who God is. This is so important because I I feel that a lot of us, including those in the church, have somehow separated justice in our world from who God is. We can't do that. Psalm 89 verse 14 says this, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. These are the founding elements of his throne because it is who God is. God is just. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, Jesus, he spoke out against injustice. Jesus was bold when it comes to justice. Jesus saw injustice and it broke his heart. So much so that he confronted it. 
Do you know who he confronted the most when it came to injustice? The religious. The religious leaders. That's who he confronted the most. In fact, in Matthew 23, there's a chapter. I would encourage you to read it sometime. Because if you think Jesus is weak... And if you just got this mental picture that we have painted of Jesus who just, he likes to sit around with a bunch of little kids and a lamb around his shoulders with blonde hair and blue eyes. You have got a picture of Jesus that does not exist. First of all, Jesus was not white. We've made Jesus to be white because we like to create a Jesus that fits into our social construct. And so Jesus, he confronted the religious and he, he called them hypocrites when they did not handle matters of justice well. In fact, Matthew 23, it's a, again, read it. It's a chapter where Jesus just, he just obliterates the religious because he cannot handle their hypocrisy anymore. And in Matthew 23, 23, this verse, I want to read this to you. Here's what Jesus said to them. It's so harsh, but, but it's important. Jesus said this, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious laws, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, he called them. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore, here's what he said, the more important aspects of the law, like justice, mercy, and faith. He said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus, he looks at the religious and he sees a hypocritical life where they elevate some things but not other things. Where they say, this matters, so we're going to follow the letter of the law, but this doesn't really matter. And Jesus looked at him and he said, no, no, you guys, what are you doing? You messed us up. You see, here's what religious like to do, and, and, and I, I'm in that category. <laughs> not only that, but I'm a teacher and, and, and you, you're, you're a religious person maybe. You have faith. And so we can look at ourselves in this category, looking like a mirror. And here's what they would do. They would say, we follow all these little things that we think make God happy. They would tithe off of the herbs in their gardens, the smallest, like, oh, we had a new one come up. Here's a little leaf. I'm gonna, I, I, they would tithe on these little things, but they would neglect things that matter to the heart of God, like justice, mercy, and faith. They cared more about making God happy in the little things that they would try to do rather than how they treated their fellow neighbor. And Jesus said, no, you don't know God's heart then. And, and I, I feel like I need to confess something. This is just me being real with you. Because I've preached numerous times where I've used this verse. We're doing a series on finances. Jesus talked about the tithe. He upheld the tithe. I would preach and show you that, and I do believe the tithe. Jesus upheld the tithe. I, I'm, that's not the question. And I was convicted of something. I have never once preached this passage to talk about the very thing that Jesus said was weighty and mattered even more, and that was justice, mercy, and faith. And just to be real transparent with you today, the journey that God has put me on, this is why I felt this weight, like I, I just had to have a conversation with you and talk about this, is 
I, I, I began to realize, and I think this was the Holy Spirit working in me, that the truth is that I never realized how much justice matters to God. I never realized it. Not intentionally, not on purpose. I never realized it. And so I had to ask God, God, why am I just now seeing all throughout your word that you cared so deeply about justice? Why is it that I could put it into a social category and say it's not that important and it's just a political thing? And it's, Why is it that I could do it? And then I realized something. It's because I've not had to deal with injustice. I want you to hear this today from me, and I'm saying this as humbly as I can, especially if you're white. The reason why justice often doesn't matter that much to those of us who are white is because we haven't been on the other end of injustice. I've not had to deal with being pulled over excessively because of the color of my skin. I've not had to deal with being followed around in a store because of the way I look. I, I've not had to deal with some of the injustices that have happened in this country. I, I've not had to deal with that. I've not had to deal with the fact that an improportionate number of black men have been incarcerated far beyond the number of black people in our country. I've not had to deal with this. And so guess what? It was never really a big issue for me. If I could just be honest with you, and this is not a political thing, please hear me. The problem is, is we've turned this into a political thing. People are using this moment to be very political and divide. This is not a political thing. Please hear me. I felt like God spoke to me and said, but I care about justice because I am just. And now please hear this again. I, this is not a political rant. Oh, oh my gosh, he's one of them. He's a, that's the problem. This is not a political thing. This is a moral thing. This is not a social issue. This is a biblical issue. This is from, I'm, this is from God's word. In fact, Micah 6, 8, this incredible passage where he, this prophet is speaking about what God cares about in the Old Testament even. And it says, he has shown you, O mortal, Oh, human, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? What does God want from us? It is to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God cares about injustice. And listen, if you're going to be a Jesus person, you need to care about injustice too. You need to care about all types of injustice. Jesus cared about every form of injustice. Injustice against women, very prevalent in his day, still happens today. Injustice against children, injustice against different groups, justice. Jesus cared about injustice, and we in the church need to speak up about injustice when we see it. We need to not say it's a political thing and this is a right, this is a left. We need to say, no, this matters to the heart of God. And right now, because so, this is a common thing, is let's deflect from what's going on in our culture right now. Listen, when there are situations, when it comes to unborn children, when it comes to women, when it comes to different groups, we need to speak up, yes. But right now, can we just understand something? That in our culture, we need to understand that right now there's a serious issue 
with our black community that is hurting. And so what I want to I say to you is that this is our attention right now. This is what we're speaking up about. Why are we speaking up Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9? It's all through the Bible. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And right now, there are people who need us. And so we've been speaking up about it. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. But maybe we need to get a little uncomfortable. And if I could just say, I'm going to move on. I think one of the greatest things that we can do right now, we really don't need a whole lot more added to the, the, the conversation. There's so much out there that has been said so well over the last four weeks. You want to know the, the most loving thing that you can do right now? Educate yourself on the injustice that has happened in our country. I found out how ignorant I really was. I'm now on my third book. I've watched documentaries. I've had conversations. Why? And it has opened my eyes. Some of you will get, I'm not doing that. I would, just, I would just ask you if you're a Jesus person. If this mattered that much to Jesus and God, shouldn't it matter to us? The most loving thing that maybe we could do, I'm going to say, especially if you're white right now, educate yourself on the injustice. And don't think that, well, that happened back then. Don't think for one second that your past has not affected who you are today. Don't think for one second, I don't care the color of your skin, that your past has not affected your present. It has. You say, well, I didn't grow up with anything. I've been broke my whole life. Do you think that's affected how you live right now? Absolutely. And the same is true for our black brothers and sisters. And so the first thing is, The Father's heart is for justice. The second one is this. The Father's heart is for the overlooked. The Father's heart is for the overlooked. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus always moved toward the people that everyone moved away from. Jesus moved toward women. And in his culture, they had no value. Very little value unless they didn't have children. If they didn't have children, they had no value. They were property. Jesus moved toward children had, again, very little value. Jesus moved toward the sick. He moved toward lepers and outcasts. He moved toward the physically disabled. Jesus ran toward groups of people that were overlooked. This is what he did. Jesus shows us the heart of God, and that is for people who are always overlooked by society, the minority, the ones that maybe didn't have control. This is the heart of God. We see it so beautifully in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, there's a story of Jesus with his disciples as they were going to leave Jerusalem, Judea, where they were, and travel up to Galilee, the place where he did most of his ministry. And John records what happened in in this moment of their travel. In John 4 verse 4, it says, Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near a plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. And here's this. I love John retelling this moment because imagine after he went through it and he saw what happened, he goes back and and he kind of fills in the details. And and Jesus, he talks about the, the journey that he takes to Samaria. See, you don't understand something. In Jesus' day, racism was so real. 
The Jews, you got to understand this, they hated the Samaritans. They despised them. If you go back in their history, right, the southern portion of, of, Jerusalem, of Judah would fight with the northern part of it hundreds of years before. And so there was an animosity. And then they intermarried with other people. So now they were half-breeds. They were light-skinned. They weren't full blood. There, there was an animosity to the ethnicity of the Samaritans. So much so that here's what the Jews did when they traveled and they had to go around Samaria. Instead of going through it, they would cross over the Jordan River to the east, travel north, and then cross back over, going sometimes miles, maybe days journey out of the way. If you look at a the map, they literally would go over and up and over just so they could avoid going through those neighborhoods. And John tells us, for some reason, when we said, all right, we're ready to go, Jesus says, no, 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 we're not going that way. We're going through Samaria. He had to. Why? Because Jesus had a divine appointment with somebody who was overlooked. Because Jesus cared desperately about people who were overlooked in our society. And so Jesus goes up through Samaria, and he gets to this well, and it's the middle of the day. And Jesus knew he had a divine appointment with somebody and somebody that his disciples would not approve of. And so he sends them on an errand. Hey, go to Chick-fil-A, guys. Get me the six-piece. Get me whatever. Get me a sweet tea. I'm thirsty. And so he sits down at the well, and it's noon, midday, hottest time. If you can imagine, Middle East, and this woman comes up, and Jesus begins to engage in conversation. Hey, I know you're thirsty and looking for water, but if you knew who I was, you would say, give me the living water. And so Jesus embraces and accepts this one woman. And here's what you need to know about in this culture. This woman is the epitome of who was overlooked. She represents the very person or groups that we would overlook. I want you to consider this, okay? She's a woman. Men, especially religious men and rabbis, did not talk to women like this. She's a Samaritan. Her ethnicity would cause animosity between the Jews and because of her past. In other words, this woman represents who so many of us today, and I want to say this even in the church, we overlook, okay? She, she's not one of us. She's a Samaritan, not a Jew. She's not like us. She's a woman. She's not a man. She's got a past I don't identify with. And what does Jesus do? He goes to her. He had to go through Samaria so that he could go and meet with a woman that was overlooked that the Jews and religious leaders would not approach so that he could affirm her with God's love. And say, I know your life has been a mess. And I know you feel like that you're on the outside when it comes to faith in God. But I want you to know I see you today. And that through this one woman, an entire town was saved. Here's what I'm saying. In this season right now, my prayer for all of us, and I think this is what God wants to do, is God wants to lead us through. He wants to lead us through a season, like now, to a place to meet a person that is different than you are. I think a lot of us in the church have been saying, what do I do? What's my response right now? I don't know if we need a bunch more posting on social media. Maybe the, the most 
loving thing that you can do if you want the heart of God, the heart of the Father, is you make some time to get with someone who looks different than you, thinks different than you, votes differently than you, and you say, can we grab coffee? Are we allowed to go to coffee? We can go to Panera. It's open. Can we go? Can we sit down? And I want to hear your story, and I want to know, your, I want to know where you come from. And listen. Your job is not to convert them to your political party. But if we would listen to their experience, if we would learn to walk a moment in the shoes that they have lived in, I wonder if God would do something to our hearts. And no longer is it them. But now it's a person. This woman at the well, I know she might represent something. But it was a woman, a real person that Jesus cared for. And I pray that we could see the overlooked today in our culture. The last one is this. I'm running out of time. The Father's heart is for unity. The Father's heart is for unity. What we've seen, again, over the last four months... And I'm going to say even more so over the last four weeks. Has been so much division. So much separation. So much opposition. So much animosity. In our country. Cities, communities. Families. Church family. We, we have seen a polarization. That has happened because of an injustice that took place. And it's amazing how we can all watch a video and say, I'm totally against that, but I can't be for you. It's amazing what has happened where we would jump on sides and we look across the aisle and we say, if you don't think like me and look like me, and vote like me, you're my enemy. Today, here's what we do. We say, if you're different, you're my enemy. That's what we do. Let's be honest. This is what's messed up in our world right now. Because we don't know who the real enemy is. We think it's a Republican, or it's a Democrat, or a liberal, or a conservative, or Fox, or CNN, or it's that group, or it's that fraternal order, or if it's that, it's this. And we are making enemies out of people that we have no business making enemies. People that Jesus loves, that God created, that he died for. Listen, listen. The one who's winning right now is the devil. The one who is really winning is our spiritual enemy, Satan. He's the real enemy. His goal is to get us to fight. He wants to see the father's children fighting amongst themselves so that they think that they're the enemy and they forget all about our true enemy, the enemy of God, Satan. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. And here is his method, divide and conquer. 
divide and conquer. And if there's one thing that matters so desperately to Jesus, please hear me today. I hope you haven't tuned me out. I hope you haven't kind of said this is such a political thing. This is not political. You do not know political if you think this is political. Jesus cared more about unity than I think we realize. Because in the moments before he was arrested, you got to imagine the, the last moments when he had the freedom to say what was on his heart. He prayed something just minutes before he was arrested. In John 17, verses 20 through 23, this is what Jesus said. He said, my prayer, as he was praying for his disciples, he says, not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about us today, guys. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Do you get the theme? Do you get what he's saying? I mean, this verse 23, and I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. The, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. If I could just say this, that one of the most painful things that I feel like I have I've watched and witnessed over COVID-19 and the social injustice and the civil rights cry in our country today has been the disunity and division in the body of Christ. I've seen it in our church. I've seen it in the comments from around the world that we claim the name of Jesus But we post and we talk like we don't know him. I think some of the things that I've seen said, written, they look nothing like the Lord we we profess to follow. And I think we, we care so much about making a point. What I would ask you today is if you would just for a second, consider that rather than make a point, next time you're at the family dinner, and your uncle, mm, he gets on your nerves, your sister, and she always, your neighbor, your coworkers that believe this, rather than making a point, what if we actually just pointed people to Jesus? What if instead of, I gotta get them on my side. I stand here today, sit here today, I don't have a side. My only side is Jesus. I am for people. I am for what Jesus is for. I am for the heart of God. And we need to be able to get to a place where we have a lot of matters in our world that we got to solve, a lot of issues in our country that need, we need to resolve them. There's things that we need to change. But we've got to be able to get to a place where we can disagree but still be in unity. Where I I may not think like you, and I may never think like you. I've not had the experiences that you've had. And you've not had the experiences I've had. And we got to be okay to be in a place where it's like, I I don't think like you do. That's fine. But you know what? I'm going to love you anyways. I'm going to love you because that's what Jesus said. He said, the whole world will know that you're my disciples by how we love one another. Not how we convince them that we're right. Not how we correct them. Not how we point out the flaws in their thoughts and their processes. But how we love. 
What we need in the church more than anything is the world to see us loving people, not setting them straight, not getting our point across, not trying to bring them to the right side. We need to be loving people. Our differences should never be greater than our love for each other. I want to say it again. Our differences, and we'll have differences, should never be greater than our love for each other. Jesus said, John 17, the way the whole world's going to know that you sent me is how they love. This is the Father's heart. And I hope I haven't been, I hope I haven't been too direct. (laughs) I hope you know I love you. I love every person in our church regardless of where you come from and what belief you have and the color of your skin. That's the pastor's heart in me. And as a father, the thing I care most about my kids is I want to see them together, loving each other. I think about the father's heart. This father's day, can we... Let's honor the dads that are with us, but let's think about the Father's heart right now. Say, God, give me your heart. Can we pray that? God, give me your heart. Would you pray with me right where you are? Spirit of God, we need you. God, I, I ask that you would give me your heart. God, I want to repent in areas where I have not not seen your heart, have not clearly embraced all of your word, not on purpose, but even my ignorance. God, will you forgive me? God, I pray that our church God, that our church, God, we would be an example of what it means to love even people that look different than us, that think different. God, I, my heart is broken when I see the state of the church. I can't imagine how your heart is. Listen, just in this moment while you're praying, This might be a moment where you need to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for elevating my preferences, my political thoughts, for living in an echo chamber where everybody is like me and looks like me and thinks like me, and for not demonstrating your heart for people. God, our world, we need you. Our country needs you. We need change. I believe it's going to start in the church. Start with us. Start with me, God. Listen, as we're praying, maybe some of you are just sensing the presence of God right now. Maybe one of the things that has kept you from having faith in God has been what you've seen in the church. I'm sorry that's been your experience. But I pray in this moment that you're seeing Jesus in a new light. And I'm telling you, he is the real deal. He loves you regardless of the 
color of your skin, your origin, what you've believed, what you've done, how much money you have, how broke you are. He loves you so much that he came, he died for you. He gave his life for you and me on a cross. So we don't have to carry the weight of our sin. Today, you can be made new. Today, you could say, I'm going to surrender my life to that God, that one, loves If that's who Jesus is, that's what I want. I don't want religion. I want Jesus. If that's the cry of your heart today, would you say a simple prayer with me right now? Say, Jesus, I want you. I just want you. Nothing else. Just you. Would you forgive me for all my sin? Today, I I bow my knee to you. I say, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I give my life to you. I ask you to lead me now. Lead me to know what it looks like to follow you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Hey, listen. I just want you to know, church, that I love you. I love you. No matter what we've gone through and what we've done. And I pray that you've given me grace today just to share my heart. I pray that you do not feel condemned. That's not my desire. I just hope that you know my heart, and, and I hope today you see a glimpse of God's heart through his word. And I, I just, I believe in this moment, this is a real important moment, that we just take time to reflect on where we are and what God is speaking to us. And so as we sing this song with the band, I, I just want you to say I'm hopeful. I, I know I feel I'm emotional, all that, but that's because I'm also hopeful because of what Jesus is doing in me and what he's doing in our church and he's doing in the world. I am so hopeful that God is doing something incredible this time. And so as we sing this last song, let's let this be a response to him. Come on, let's worship.